0: Thank You for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henry. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Turn in your Bibles uh, this morning to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 32 will be our beginning text uh, this morning. Romans is in the New Testament. It's about two-thirds into your Bible. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter 1. If you hit first and second Corinthians, you went too far. Come back. Romans, chapter 1, verses 26 through 32. Now, we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of our series is to bring you into a very wonderful, uh, very dynamic relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. We want you to know him personally. We want you to experience his power and his presence in your life throughout your entire life. He is God with us and in us and and for us today. And so we've been unpacking that together and And currently, uh, we are talking about uh, the Holy Spirit's work in the believer's life, and so we've been unpacking who the Holy Spirit is, and we've talked about his work in the world, and we've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so now we're in this section of his work in the believer's life, and then we're going to go into understanding the spiritual gifts and then going through... Those gifts individually, so we understand how those operate and are given within the church. Off the top, um, I want to share with you uh, another quote from a, a great Christian leader. She was also a survivor of the Holocaust. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom. She said this about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Take a look on the screen. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you, and so there there you see that epi picture, remember the epi baptism, the overflow of the Holy Spirit and it makes all the difference, it's where the power of God flows from. Now, as we've been unpacking the Holy Spirit's work in the believer, we're in part four and today we wanna to talk about the fact that his work within us is to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. That part of what the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish in us is to bring us into full maturity in Christ. However, far too many Christians are not developing spiritually in their Christian life. They would they would have what we might call an arrested state of spiritual development. Paul in talking to the believers in the Corinthian church he's talking to Christians it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1 and two take a look at the screen. He says, "'But I, brothers, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready.'" That is the apostle Paul says. I'd like to talk to you about deeper things. I would like to get past. Yeah, Jesus loves you, and quit fighting with each other. (laughs) I would like to talk about how to enter into a deeper and powerful walk with God. But but I can't. I I just gotta. I I gotta give you the milk. You, You can't get past your flesh. You can't get past having one foot in and one foot out. You want to love Jesus and enjoy the world. I can't give you solid food. You, you should be eating solid food. But instead, you're still babes. In Christ. Now listen, there is nothing wrong with milk. It is good. It is appropriate for an infant, for a baby. There's nothing wrong with that, and there is nothing wrong with a Christian being a baby for a while. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But listen, we should grow and And listen, we know that in the physical sense, but it's also true in the spiritual sense. That is, our Christian experience should be one of growth. That is, you know, it's cute, it's acceptable, it's healthy to see an infant in diapers however a teenager an adult not so cute not so acceptable not not so healthy paul goes on to say in ephesians 4:13 he speaking to the church in Ephesus, says this, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is, we are to grow into full maturity in Christ and the measure of what that maturity is is Jesus himself that is we are to become like Jesus Amen. Romans 8:29 Paul says for God has predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son Now from the beginning of time, in Genesis: 126, God said, "Let us make man in our image after our likeness." That is to say, from the very beginning, friends, mankind was created in the image of God. And part of that image included God's chief moral characteristic, which was righteousness. And so you and I have a desire for righteousness. And part of that image included God's chief governmental characteristic, which was self-determination. And so we have a free will. We have the capacity To choose. And part of that image was God's chief emotional characteristic, which is love. And so you and I have the ability to receive and to give love. We have a desire for righteousness. We have the capacity to choose. We have the ability to love. And yet, <laughs> we chose to go our own way. We fell from that image. And so from that standpoint, we became selfish and cold and indifferent and vengeful. In the image of God became marred it it is still there in part amazingly enough but do you see how far we have fallen do you understand so many people do not see the vision of who they are in Christ the vision of God's original they don't understand how far we have fallen and until you see that you won't understand your great need for a savior and you won't understand the great calling that he has put on your life the beautiful vision he has for your life and so you're you're running around with substitutionary secondary little visions for your life because you don't have the right vision Same when it comes to marriage. Same when it comes to parenting. All that stuff, unless you get your right vision, listen, you are substituting lesser things. And so the vision became marred and we fell from grace. Now... What that means is that we cannot understand God's original purpose for mankind by looking around today. We cannot see God's original intention for us by looking around today. And yet that's what people do. They, they look around today, they look around at the world today and they, they try to figure out what the purpose of life is, what the purpose of mankind is and, and most of them get mad at God and they question God and his loveness because they think this place is busted and people are evil. I mean, how could God create that? But we cannot discern... What the purpose of God in creating mankind is, what his intention for us is, by looking at what is happening today in our lives or in creation because we are in a fallen state. And that brings us to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one speaks of our fallen state. Verse 26 through 32, you're gonna say, oh my gosh, that's our culture. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. That is, we have the capacity to choose. We have free will. We chose our way, not God's way. God said, fine. I I made you with self-determination. I won't make you love me. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Now I've heard a million times in the news over the last year that the the Bible does not teach against homosexuality. Or if it does, it's only in the Old Testament. (laughs) And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. Call right, wrong. Call good, evil. Everything's upside down. Everything's backwards. To do what ought not to be done. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. No. No. They were Filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, Remember, we already covered that, that the Holy Spirit's work in the world is to convict men of righteousness. They know. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them, because we Christians, we just want to be nice. God, forgive us. That is not love. Now, that's a pretty scary state of affairs, is it not? And yet, that is exactly what we see and we experience today. Paul gives another list to Timothy. That specifically refers to the last days, the last days in which we find ourselves living in. And we find that in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. So turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. So it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter Second Timothy, Chapter Three, Verse One through Five will be our text. But understand this that in the last days. There will come times of difficulty. Well, why? Verse 2 For people will be lovers of self. And there we have the gospel of today. Hey, man, you just need to love yourself more, man. Give yourself some self-love. No, that is not our problem. Listen, even if you quote unquote hate yourself, it's because you think you deserve something different. It's because you want something different. It's because you feel less than and you actually love yourself and want something different. You don't need self-love. You need the Father's love. You don't need self-esteem. You need to see yourself and to understand yourself through God's eyes. You need God-esteem. You need to believe what God says about you. Ah, sounds so good. Satan is so good at selling a substandard vision for your life that maybe works a little bit. Verse 2. Why is there going to be difficulty? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, more billionaires created in coronavirus time than ever in history. It wasn't about money and power, though, was it? It's about your health. (laughs) Sorry, friend, you're a fool if you think that. Proud, arrogant, abusive, Disobedient to their parents. Wow, that one occurs a lot. Parents, bring your children up in the instruction of the Lord. Love them, discipline them. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. We all deserve reparations. Everybody's got a cause. Everybody's been wounded. Everybody's a victim. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's the majority of the evangelical church in America. God forgive us. Avoid such people it's worse being around a christian who's not really following god and who's living without the power of god than it is being around an unbeliever believe it or not but here's the principle choose your friends wisely they will make you or break you who you hang with is going to take your life in a certain direction that doesn't mean you seek to influence others, but those who are influencing you, you better make sure that they're pursuing Jesus or they're going to pull you away from Jesus. And so ultimately when we when we read this list here and the list that we saw in Romans chapter one, what I can say is that is not God's intention for mankind. That is not how God intended us to live. Nor even just to clean a little bit of it up. And so, if we are to understand God's intention of what he wants us to be, of what he created us to be. Listen, we have to look somewhere else. And where do we look? We look to Jesus. Jesus is who God created us to be like. Listen, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, submitted to the Holy Spirit to show us what we are to live like and what is possible by the power of God. He is the measure of the standard a maturity in Christ God's desire and and purpose is to take us fallen creatures and to restore us into his image friends do you understand that you are made in the image of God and when you look at Jesus then you understand where it is we have fallen and where it is that God wants to restore you back to and so ultimately to that end Romans 8:12 through 13 says take a look on the screen so then brothers We're debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, listen, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That is, you will live as God intended you to live. You will live like Jesus Romans thirteen, fourteen. take a look on the screen, says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That is, God does not want us living a sensual, fleshly life. He wants us to live a life in the spirit and after the spirit. And so Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5.16, take a look on the screen. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you put on Jesus, my eyes are on Jesus and I'm surrendered to the Spirit. Listen, the flesh's appetites have no say in my life. The problem is, Jesus isn't on the throne. The spirit isn't filled within me. I'm on the throne. Or I let Jesus on a little bit and I bump bump him off and I want what I want and I want to play around with that saying, I I can manage it. I'll, I'll just play around with that. I like my comfort. I like my pleasure. I want to feel good. Put it to death. Crucify it. You got to get nasty with sin. Don't try to manage it. Don't tolerate it. Put it to death. Mortify the flesh. Put on Jesus. He's life. Man, he's life. You know the end of that thing that you think you're going to get a little titillation from. It's going to kick you back anyway. Knock it off. It doesn't deliver. Stop it. Go to your life source. Go to the one who is joy and love and all that you desire. And let him make you into the image of his son. One more passage I want us to take a look at is Colossians chapter 3. So turn back to Colossians. So if you turn back, you'll go to 1 Timothy and then 2 Thessalonians, then 1 Thessalonians, and then Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 5 through 10 will be our text here. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 10. Put to death. <laughs> I didn't make that up. <laughs> Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality. impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry oh we don't we we don't bow to little statues you know we we, we don't worship wooden stone things oh yeah yeah we have idols yeah On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked, friends, but you've been washed. You've been renewed. You've been seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You are a new creation in Christ. That's not who you are anymore. You were. Quit going back there and these you two once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth do not lie to one another Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after what? The image of its creator. That is, the Holy Spirit is making us into the image of Jesus. Now, here's the dilemma. The dilemma is this, is that there is a battle that goes inside our bodies. There's a battle that rages within us. Just because I shut my Bible, don't leave me now. I ain't done. There's a battle between our old nature and our new nature. It's still there. It has no power over you, but it's still there. Let me explain that a little bit. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to explain it. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say you're in the military. You've served your four years. And that sergeant who made you do push-ups in the rain, put your face in the mud, and you had to say, yes, sir, yes, sir, to everything that he told you to do. But now you've served your four years. You got your civilian clothes on. You're, you're walking off the base. You're done. And there's the sergeant right there at that gate. Do you have to salute that sergeant anymore? No, you do not. You can choose to salute that old master but you don't have to salute that old master because you've been set free. You have a new master, and it is the same in the Christian life. Listen, you have an old sergeant who used to drive what you do, but now you have a new master, and he is good, and his name is Jesus, and you have been set free. You can go back and salute that old master, but listen, he has no authority over you anymore. And I point that out just so you know that even though there's a battle within us, you've already won it. You already have victory over it. It is only when Satan lies to you and makes you feel like you don't. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, take a look on the screen. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so every one of us have experienced that. We love Jesus. We we desire to be like Jesus and yet the, the flesh is weak. And and so so many Christians find themselves in a state of frustration. They they see the ideal. They, 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 they want to attain that, but they find themselves defeated so often in the flesh. And so the question comes, is there, is there any victory in Christ? Can't, are we doomed to that state of frustration? And I would just say to you, no! There is true spiritual victory in Christ, but you have to understand what I just told you. We see this played out in the Old Testament, as well. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were led out of Egypt by Moses and they went through the wilderness to enter into the promised land and and that whole experience, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us, is an illustration to us. That is, what happened to them there are parallels in our Christian life for us to, to look at what was happening to them and, and know what is happening in our lives as well. And so as Israel, for example, they, they put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. So they were saved by the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. We are saved by the blood of the lamb. They were delivered from slavery in Egypt. We are delivered from the slavery of sin. They were ultimately brought into their new life through the water, through the Red Sea. We are baptized into our our new life through the water, through baptism. And then, as they began their journey through the wilderness, as they came up to the very edge of the promised land that God had already gave to them, already taken care of, Moses made a mistake. And he sent 12 spies into the land to spy out the land. And 10 spies came back with an evil report, a negative report. Two spies... Came back with a positive one, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, man, God is able. This is, this is the land he promised. He is able. Let's believe his promises. Let's go get it. We can do it with God. The rest of the 10 said, nah, there, there's giants in the land and, and you know, their the cities are fortified. We, we can't do this. And, and so all Israel believed the negative report and they said, oh, God just delivered us from Egypt to bring us out here to kill us and our kids are gonna die and God just delivered us to smash us over here and so we wanna elect a different leader and go back to bondage, And so God said, well, listen, since you failed to trust me, since you failed to believe, you're going to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And the children who you said would perish are the ones who will enter into the land because I'm faithful even when you're faithful, faithless, I remain faithful to my promise. But there is discipline. Discipline. And the discipline is, you're going on a 40-year funeral procession. And so they did. They went on that 40-year funeral procession, and then that next generation grew up, and they came again to the edge of the promised land. And this time, they stepped into the Jordan River. And God stopped the river, and they entered into the the promised land. They entered into all that God had made a way for them. Now here's the deal. When they were in the wilderness, they had a lot of difficulties. They had a lot of struggles. They fought a lot of battles. And listen, they gained nothing for it. They didn't gain any territory. They didn't move forward an inch. They were just going around in circles. But once they entered into the promised land, everything changed. Now listen, that that Jordan River moment where they stepped in and believed that Jordan River moment is the same moment that every one of us in this room needs to come to in our Christian walk. We we're, listen, we're, we're we're tired of wandering around in the wilderness. And what is the wilderness marked by? Well, it's marked by complaining. By murmuring, by constantly challenging God. You're just going to go in circles, friends, until you surrender. Quit being the boss of your life, quit thinking you know better. Hearts of unbelief, hearts of complaint. so that Jordan River moment is where you put to death the deeds of the flesh, of rebellion, of fear, of unbelief. We have got to put it to death, church. So that we can move forward by the power of God that our lives are full of his power and love. Our marriages are full of his power and love. And we impart the same to our kids. That we impart to them something that is sincere and loving and beautiful and hopeful for them. But we can't do that if we're walking around the desert. Because we haven't decided... whose we are and what we're about. Jordan River moment. And So listen, once they entered into the promised land, there's still battles, man. Uh, They they didn't live perfectly there, if you've ever read your Old Testament. There's still battles there. There were still struggles there. But they were gaining territory all the while. They were laying hold more and more of the promises that God had given them. They took the land piece by piece by piece. And God gave it to them in a process because he was driving out the wild animals and that sort of thing as well. in our Christian experience there are some battles that we overcome fairly quickly because we're full of faith and that's so cool love it love it love it you know boom god delivers you or you just you're you're full of faith in that moment and that battle is just it's done god removes it other battles we fail miserably because of unbelief because of rebellion recognize it for what it is and then other battles feel long right they 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 just seem to keep dogging you it's it's an ingrained issue it's it's a stronghold in your life and so we we fight those battles, and and we come to the point. Sometimes where are like, just God. I don't know what is wrong with me. What is wrong with me? I, I can't seem to get it. I can't seem to get over it. I don't know what to do, God. I I don't. What is? I don't know. Help me. And God says, finally. Finally, because you've been trying to do a little bit on your own, you, you've you been trying to love a little bit of something else on your own. Finally, finally, you're at the end of yourself. Finally, you're ready to change. Until we surrender. Do you understand what I mean by empty surrender? Done the Spirit will set in, step in, excuse me, in, set you free, boom, in that moment. That stronghold will fall immediately. I speak to you from experience, and pray for me. I, I, I want to talk to you about some of my experiences with the Holy Spirit. They're hard for me to verbalize. I I have many. Um, I don't know which which, and how to share them all. You know, I've been sharing with you some of the saints that went before us just because I think it's important for you to understand that what we're talking about is normal, even though it hasn't been normal for a few decades. <laughs> but what I can tell you this this morning is this, you know, uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit's work in my life, I, I can't boast about it. <laughs> I can't say, well, you know, I conquered this, and, you know, I, I used to do that, man, but, it, but I determined. Friends, I can't do that. All I can say to you is, listen, God, by his power, delivered me yes. Amen. Yes. it was not me and God has done a wondrous work in me and he continues to do so by his grace and his power and so praise be to his name friends Praise be to his faithfulness and his goodness. And so understand that the Holy Spirit's work in your life is to conform you into the image of Jesus. To do for you, friend, to do for you what you cannot do yourself. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.